Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Archives and Futures, a podcast for future generations. I am your host, Ivan Lozano. I use he, him, and they, them pronouns. And this season is a partnership between Archives and Futures and the DePaul Art Museum. We're calling it the Latinx American Podcast in honor of their exhibition, Latinx American, on view from January 7th through August 15, 2021. The exhibition features 38 Latinx artists from Chicago and beyond, 10 of which we will be interviewing for this season of the pod. The DePaul Art Museum's Latinx American exhibition and its accompanying programs like this one are provided through the generous support of the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts. Learn more about the exhibition and upcoming events at artmuseum.depaul.edu. And please, Share, subscribe, and rate this podcast so we can reach a larger audience. With that out of the way, let's get into this interview with Harold Mendes, which happened over Zoom on December 5th, 2020. Enjoy. I'm Harold Mendes. I'm a visual artist uh, currently living in Los Angeles, um, but I've been you know, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Um, been in Los Angeles um, going on maybe five years, so it's nice to 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 have a chat with a, a Chicago Chicago friend. Yeah, Chicago, and then also Mexico because I grew up in Mexico. I was born in Mexico in Guadalajara, and then I came over at least to Texas at first, which is another sort of point of like you were in uh, the core program in Houston for a while. So there's a couple of things there. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I, I forgot to mention, um, you know, aside from, you know, sort of being raised in Chicago, my mom is from Medellin, from Colombia, Medellin. Um, and my, my father's from Zacatecas, from Mexico. So um, in terms of, you know, what really kind of informs who I am and my work, I would say those three kind of locations. So Chicago, Colombia, Mexico. Um, yeah. That's an interesting, you know, one of my best friends growing up, her dad was also from... Um... Was he from Medellin? I think he was from Medellin. But um, it's an interesting thing, sort of the, 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 I see a lot of parallels in the experience of Mexicans and Colombians, especially yeah. now that, you know, like I, my, all my immediate family left Mexico. And basically like the narco wars in Mexico have sort of turned it into like what Colombia kind of was at a certain right. point in time where there was so much, uh, so many people leaving and like an enormous diaspora of people leaving just because of the violence and that it was impossible to leave or to live there mm -hmm. without having to deal with some really heavy shit. And, you know, when I was growing up in Mexico in the nineties, like I, you know, people ask me like, have you watched Narcos? And I'm like, I can't watch that. That's too fucking close. You know, like that's, yeah. that's, that's what I grew up with. I don't want to relive that, but there's, you know, there's some really interesting parallels in that, that I think um, must've been interesting also coming from a household that had those two sides to it. Definitely. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think about what it was like in Medellin um, in the 80s was like incredibly violent, incredibly yeah. dangerous, but also uh, amazingly beautiful and magical of a place. And, and it's still that way. Um, and I think what's interesting uh, in terms of the maybe the, the kind of parallels is that, um, you know, early on, you know, public life or civic life in Colombia was really uh, dangerous, right? It was really fraught. I think people were really afraid to be in public spaces because there were actually examples of either paramilitary or cartel activity, you know, all these kinds of things, right? Um, and, what, and, and now they're, really, they're like a real model city yeah. uh, for, for a public, um, you know, life in a way. And they've really kind of turned, you know, through urban planning and through kind of programs um, to kind of combat some of that stuff. Um, and they've really kind of pushed away from the kind of um, 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 stereotypes uh, that they had for a really, really long time. And then of course, like, you know, somebody like uh, Pablo Escobar or, you know, um, you, you know, the television show, like you're mentioning Narcos sort of um, brings that back into kind of the limelight. And it's interesting because when you go there, people don't, people aren't interested in, in um, uh, celebrating that kind of history, um, you know, something they want to kind of put past and kind of move, move on, yeah. move on from. Um, whereas in Mexico, it's almost like flipped, right? Where it used to be, yeah. not used, not everywhere. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, and so, for instance, in Medellin, it was actually pretty violent. And, you know, you'd see, you know, military presence there um, on a regular basis. Um, 
And then, you know, it's interesting. The last time I went to visit my father, for instance, in, in Mexico, he lives in a pretty remote area. And, you know, it's a small little ranch town. And there's no, um, anyway, I'm getting off topic here, but there's no, there's no Wi-Fi there, right? And yeah. one of the things that's actually, I think, um, uh, they, they've sort of dodged that kind of uh, narco violence is because they're not able to communicate. Uh, with one another because there's no kind of um, cell phone cell phone service so so it's, it's really interesting in that way um anyway these really like crazy uh uh social dilemmas um that that affect people's lives there are, uh just play out in really really interesting ways in complicated ways yeah and you know the the the, the um the sort of the example of Colombia kind of really makes me um hopeful that things in Mexico might one day change too because it feels really hope hopeless but you know, it felt that way for Colombia for for so long. So I'm really kind of hoping that, uh, you know, in the future, it's something that can um, can change the countries for the better. Yeah. Um, but another thing that's shared, I feel, between like Colombia and, and Mexico is this sort of like uh, joy of life and just the color and thinking about like the music and just like that sort of like happiness that's in the culture that I think is just so beautiful and and you know, it's something that isn't necessarily like the first thing that people go to that sort of joy of life. Um, I'm thinking of like the music and also, you know, that's also where like a lot of speaking of diaspora, like a lot of like um, Afro-Caribbean influences are seen, especially I feel in Colombia more than Mexico, although in some parts of Mexico, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I and mean, the music is incredible. I mean, and there's like a lot of really fantastic artists that have come yeah. from both of those places and are um, practicing making work there yeah. to this day. Um, and it's also interesting that, you know, American artists, um, historically have gone to uh, particularly like Mexico, yeah. um, other places, you know, also in like Brazil and, you know, places in like, for instance, in Colombia. Um, so yeah, there's, I think an interest. I mean, and I think, you know, a few years ago, there was like this huge interest in, uh, in the Americas, right? You know, all the curator, all the American curators or European curators were, were making more of a kind of concerted effort to, to, to see what was happening um, in the Americas. And, it's interesting how that is sort of now, you know, gone out into the diaspora and these other places in the Caribbean and then, you know, just elsewhere, really. Um, so, now, yeah. When you, when you were growing up, how much of that um, influence of like where your parents were from, did you go back and forth uh, or were you mostly in Chicago? No, we went back and forth a lot, actually. Um, I would say we went back and forth mostly uh, between Chicago and Columbia. Okay. Um, and then, you know, Zacatecas was interspersed in there, but um, Zacatecas, uh, interesting, as an adult, I, I ended up going to the, both of those places a lot more frequently. Um, so if, if I were to say that, you know, what my home, what, what I could call home, I think it would be between Chicago and Medellin specifically. Um, so yeah, I mean, we spent almost all of our summers there um there you know my older brother and i went to school there for a little bit um so we 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 definitely uh you know feel uh really connected to that place and and still do we still have a lot of family uh there and and you know my it, my i got interested in um in photographic work or archives really like in uh the early to mid 2000s and then I started kind of going there more frequently and doing kind of research and things like that and so it's had a really kind of a long like I've had a long engagement with it and in another way not just personally with family and 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 visiting but also you know uh learning about uh, the place more specifically what were some of your earliest aesthetic experiences or things that sort of made you sort of realize the power of like aesthetics did they happen here or did they happen in Medellin that's interesting um I, I think uh, Medellin for sure. I think there's there's a kind of atmosphere in a lot of my work, um, and uh, I think that has a lot to do with being out in either the countryside or in the mountains, um, or even in you know um, parts of the city that were sort of at the edge of of, of you know being developed or or kind of um, uh, in what was sort of like a greenish pasture you know kind of area. So a lot of those things really kind of influenced the work, but I didn't realize that until much, much later. Um, so there is a kind of uh, environment or atmosphere that that I think is informed by those places, you know, and also the 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 fact that 
you know, for instance, Medellin is like a kind of a tropical, very warm climate. Um, Chicago has its kind of seasons and Zacatecas um, is very mountainous, uh, yeah. very desert-like. So all those things really kind of like the idea of place and site, all those things have really kind of informed um, like how I pay attention to a place. Yeah, I think it's really visible in like the materials you use and just almost like the textures and the colors that come out in your work. I think it's uh, that sort of like, um, like in Medellin or also in Zacatecas, that sort of like edge of the city, like, I don't want to call it blight because it's not really blight. It's just like the city's starting to sort of expand and there's that sort of like, uh, 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 like in betweenness, like rural kind of in betweenness that, that I think kind of comes out really nicely in, in, in some of the materials that you use and the processes that you use. Absolutely. And then also not just like the, the materials and all that, but like actual events or like experiences, like witnessing, um, you know, particular um, like moments of conflict, for instance, like yeah. there's this, you know, I have, the, I recall this, uh, there's a work that I made in maybe 2014. Um, it's this kind of group of men that have all these the machetes. Yeah. They yeah. Have, there's, there are these kind of screens that act as a kind of veil and there's this kind of atmosphere over it, and so it it really kind of obscures the the, the men in 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 the in in the work. Um, but that's that actually. So the image itself is a uh, is from an archive, which is a historical event um, uh, during a period of conflict in in Colombia. Um, uh, that's that's tied more closely to my mom's um, um, generation, but. Um, my older brother and I actually kind of witnessed something very similar to that um, uh, in Medellin. So yeah. the idea of the kind of the veil, like as a, as a, I would say, um, uh, like as a, as a vehicle to explore an idea, like the, the idea of the veil um, is something that gets used a lot, whether it's a, a, a thing that I'm using it as a kind of framing device right? Uh, is what I should say. So, you know, sometimes it's like a thing like that and other times it's, um, you know, a fact that um, it's more atmospheric in terms of a kind of a landscape. Um, yeah. There's also an idea in a lot of the pieces of, of your work that I get of like a feeling that you're like witnessing something, something mm. but that some, it's like witnessing something that isn't necessarily there anymore. There's a, there's a sort of a, this, it's like pointing at a lack through veiling, through, um, specific objects or shadows um, that I think is really interesting, especially coming from like a child of immigrants, you know what I mean? Or somebody that was like in between places. Yeah, that's, yeah, right on, you hit that right on the head. I think um, um, the, the, like those ideas are there for sure, like really intentionally in the work that, that there's a, a pointing to, uh, there's an absence but that, that there's also this um, presence that, in that absence too. Though. Yeah, yeah, and that's the fact that that there's like a, a, a something that is just kind of past. Yeah, um, and that the thing that you're looking at is the thing that maybe have just has captured the event, maybe right before or right after it, or something like that. And I and I like this kind of tension between the thing that is um, uh, either uh, you know uh, fictional or um, uh, or you know is is true right um and and the fact that like i make a lot of the works um to the to one-to-one -to, -one to like to the like a human scale is really important yeah. uh because what i want to do with that is that i, I want to try to place the viewer um like at that location or at that site if you will and i think materially one of the things that i really try to strive for and it's 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 always a challenge is that you know and that's just one of the reasons why i kind of move from so many materials you know and experiment with them is that i want i want these works to have their own kind of effect um visually um, um and that so that um it, you know it does one thing kind of visually and um uh you know from seeing it at a distance and then when you kind of get up close that all kind of changes and then and then of course and then the subject matter is there so yeah. There are ways that I'm trying to slow some of that, some of that down. Um, but it is this kind of idea of this in-between sort of state. Um, uh, I think in a lot of the work, especially in the last five years, there's a lot of that kind of work where there's this kind of in-between 
uh, sort of state. And I think a lot of it has to, to really kind of do with, you know, what we were talking about earlier is just the, the idea of like where the sources come from and thinking about, you know, as a child of, uh, you know, like I'm a first generation American, right? And so the, the, the fact that like, we are still tied to uh, the countries where, you know, my, my, my parents are from, that there's this constant going back and forth, right? And yeah. so you're, you're sort of navigating um, your sense of self through geography. Um, um, and, and that is in constant, I think, change. it's constantly changing, it's constantly in flux. What was that like growing up in Chicago? And what was your experience of uh, being especially mixed, you know, Mexican and Colombian? Because I think especially in Chicago, it's a town that has so much, um, so many Mexicans in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, for example, I've talked to some other artists that come from different Latin American countries where they felt really kind of alienated or that they weren't able to sort of express that side of themselves as much. What was that like for you? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I had cousins um, that, that were probably the only other Colombians that I knew um, in Chicago. So I think we were pretty, you know, we're as a family, we're pretty tight knit. Yeah. Um, but we had a lot of friends that were also Mexican. And, um, but it was, it was interesting because like, you know, what I said earlier about this, I, this kind of stereotype, you know, we would often have these negative stereotypes, particularly when someone would find out that you're Colombian, you know, early on, it was a kind of a neg negative stereotype. And then later on, it was exoticized. And um, um, so that was always a kind of a complicated thing, you know, and, uh, to, to kind of combat. But I think in, in, in Chicago, um, just in terms of sort of like my cultural um, or sort of artistic sources, were really different, you know, a lot of that kind of came through uh, early on through graffiti. Um, I was pretty heavily involved with graffiti um, for a very long time. So was my older brother. Um, so that really influenced my work and my sort of sensibilities in other ways. Um, you know, so it's like thinking about scale and thinking about resourcefulness and thinking about, um, um, you know, working, uh, really kind of um, like, you know, working with some spontaneity and thinking about photography. Um, um, but I think there was also this other kind of inherent violence that was visible in Chicago, you know, particularly yeah. early on, there was, you know, sure. a lot of gang activity and a lot of areas of, you know, where we went to school or, you know, things like that. But, you know, thankfully, like, you know, even through all the kind of graffiti and the, and the arts, um, you know, we, my older brother and I were like really able to like participate in programs like, for instance, like this organization called Marwin, you know, uh, uh, which I'm sure you know of. Um, and through there, we got to meet a lot of graffiti artists and, you know, on our way there, we'd take the train and, you know, we'd go and look at graffiti. And so there's this idea of, of looking, right? Like looking yeah. is really important. And I think that's like a big part of the practice is like, um, you know, similar to like, um, uh, like reading poetry and like literature is also really is important in my, in my practice is the idea of like absorbing some of that and then you know listening right like listening to music yeah. and listening to kind of sound and working with that um so yeah it's interesting how these things kind of how to kind of roll into one another um and i'll just give you like one example of a of a of a way that um an experience in chicago sort of made itself into a early on made itself into a kind of a, an actual work now, right? So like, uh, as you know, Maxwell Street, um, yep. which is this open air market for a lot of the people who, who are listening might not know. It's come up, I just interviewed Errol Ortiz and he mentioned Maxwell Street also as this place that was like such an important part of his upbringing. Yeah, it's a really interesting place. I mean, there were a lot of really uh, old school graffiti writers um, that, would, that would be, uh, that had, you know, a little shop where they would airbrush and things like that anyway we, we'd go down there but you know you would hear you know live blues music and things like that but then you'd also hear uh speeches by like malcolm x and um, other political figures um and so the idea of this the kind of the voice filling a, a, a an open air space like that was really a kind of amazing you know it's funny we still have my older brother and I, we still have some of these malcolm x nice. cassette tapes right um and then fast forward when i was living in the core um you know, I was living in the third in the third ward, and next to the El Dorado Ballroom, there's a there's a, a park there, and a you know a former Black Panther member would on the weekends take out these speakers and play the, some of these Malcolm X speeches, right? So it's like really kind of occupying the space, and so you know, then I think about so so I'm thinking about the ways in which like 
like what how does a how does a voice take shape how does uh what we say take shape um not just visually through our work but like what we say right and so a lot of those things you know so those two examples coupled with my thinking about sort of uh you know the the body and kind of being in in these in between states you know ended up uh, kind of all being synthesized into a work that I presented you know this year uh for the Logan Center uh and that's now on view here in Los Angeles um so you know there there are these and I guess what I'm doing is sort of pointing out the ways in which like a sort like an experience or a source of something um sort of is situated um in your personal history in a way and then it ends up becoming a kind of a work later um and that's I think how I kind of work right there's a lot of yeah. these experiences of that so anyway there's a long answer to kind of say um how some of these things get made right <laughs> totally and I think there's also really something really interesting when you mention graffiti is that I feel that there's an echo to that in your work and that it's a mix it's it, it like it sort of like trains you to be okay with ephemerality and also yeah. with that mix of like a surface decaying in on, on top of like something that's really concrete and in some ways like like literally concrete you know but but there's this these words that sort of fill space and claim space mm -hmm. that are also ephemeral it's like you when you when you're working in in, in that mode like you understand that this is not something that's going to last forever but the wall behind it might you know but there's a filling of the space and the claiming of it with words and color that I think is really kind of interesting. And you can see those echoes in your work right now of that, that mix of like strong permanent materials and then ephemeral parts to it um, that are mixed there. And, 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 and that passage of time or that decay or lifespan of the work is really interesting thinking about it in terms of like graffiti. Yeah. It's uh, no one's ever really kind of made that connection, but that's, that's pretty cool. I think, um, uh, I mean, the idea of ephemerality is is definitely present, and this idea of that kind of trace in that way. And you know, I every time I kind of have an exhibition, um, well, not every time, but the, for the, there's a lot of um, exhibitions where I've made a work that is ephemeral, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's something that I I do uh, for my kind of own practice. It's like something that's informed um, uh, a, a lot, like a, an aspect of making. I think you know. Yeah the older as you know like the older you kind of get and the, the work that you make you start to kind of see these these different veins of work right um and so this kind of idea of, of making work that's ephemeral falls into one of these kinds of um uh, veins in, in which i'm exploring some of these things um whether it's through an installation or whether i'm incorporating a gesture like a material um into a, a work like flower petals for instance yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. now that's an interesting thing and you know I've, I've asked people this a lot because it's something i think a lot about in, in in my work but whenever i make a piece i always feel that it has sort of like its own life or its own sort of like existence or timeline or temporality or something and i sort of tie that back also to just sort of like like this idea of like animism or like santeria or, or sort of like a, a kind of a like indigenous uh spirit of an object mm -hmm. i see that in your work a lot your pieces kind of fill the room and also they are these sort of presences even when there's not that when there's just like one piece in the room it tends to it's there with you you're not it's not just there it's there with you and you're there with it is yeah, that something like that. that you think about when you're making pieces yeah i do actually uh i i, I think that I, I use this word uh resonate right or a, a resonance um, a resonance yeah i i I think that's kind of what I try to go for with with work, uh, whether it resonates visually or materially, or maybe even the kind of the subject matter. There's something kind of jarring slightly about it. Um, that is something I think about. Um, um, and of course, you know, I make work that you know I'm, I, I like to change the scale of the work. You know, I'm, I like yeah. to have. For, at least I like to kind of create a platform in which the, the viewer has a different experience, you know, to one work from another, um, but that, that they can all be really kind of rich and, um, and, and complex um, in that way. But there are some works for sure that I think do that, what you just, you know, pointed out more than others. Um, and and um, it's hard to do that. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's really hard. It, it, takes, it takes time. Um, and you know the fact that it takes time, I think, is something that I've kind of resolved for a, for a while. I think initially, I, 
yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of hard on myself about making work anyway. And, and I edit, I edit a lot. Um, yeah. I make, I make, I make stuff. Sometimes I make a lot of stuff. Sometimes I don't make a lot of things, but um, I am thinking about work and, and how these things kind of fit together and, you know, what resonates and what doesn't. And if it doesn't really kind of resonate for me, I don't really put it out in public. Um, that's just like something that I learned uh, early on just to kind of, uh, to try to be in control of, which mm -hmm. I think is important as an artist. And what is your process like in the studio? Is there, is there, are there like sort of like rituals or ways that you work? Do you work in like series or like one piece at a time? Um, what's I that like? Of, Cause that's also something that comes with experience, right? Yeah. I work in different ways. I am, I mean, I, um, I kind of have a lot of things that are always going on in the studio. Um, things that are kind of tinkering around with and other things that have just been sitting on the walls for a really yeah. long time, or there's a lot of accumulation of material um, and objects. And then, you know, things finally kind of make sense. Um, um, and I, I approach photography in that way too. And I think because I, I move between image making and object making, right? Yeah. So like I'm interested in uh, photography, but I'm really interested in objects and the agency that objects have and can have, um, whether or not they're like uh, fragments. Um, uh, but in the studio, I, I like, I think the most kind of holistic way to explain this is um, like if I have an exhibition, what's on view is almost like what I've made in the last kind of year. Like I think that is really um, uh, true to like how I work. Um, so, um, it's elliptical in that way. There are all these things that I'm kind of bringing into the work. Um, I don't really work in, in um, like I do work in a series of, there are certain things that I explore in terms of subject matter, um, but the works might, they might differ from one another. Um, so it's not like I'll make it like a, you know, one photograph and it, I'll yeah. make like a five of the same in that way. You know, I, I try to avoid that. Um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, I go in the studio, uh, there are moments in which, um, you know, when I'm working, I am listening to a lot of music. Uh, that's, that's an a, a important component, you know, to what I'm thinking, or sometimes I'll listen to kind of like uh, writers, um, you know, talk about their work and, or poets and things like that. Um, and then of course, there's moments like if, you know, if I'm writing and things like that, um, uh, you know, I generally have it quiet, um, yeah. How did poetry and music sort of get into your work? Was that something that was there from the beginning of, of, of your uh, aesthetic practice or was that something that sort of crept in little by little? It's kind of always been there actually. Um, I, um, I was always interested in music. Um, you know, even in high school, I would have this like, uh, you know, a, <laughs> a Walkman with like, just like seven cassette tapes in my jacket. And um, I just always had music on um and what were you listening to back then oh man like you know early gangstar uh you know tribe um um you know wu-tang like i mean earlier other things too you know like um um the cure you know stuff like that um of course you can't be a latino teenager and not listen to the cure, totally yeah. yeah yeah totally um but it's interesting because um uh in high school i had a uh, my my spanish class um we had, used to have to recite poetry uh, in front of the class, which I hated. Um, but I like later on um, really uh, enjoyed reading it. Um, and then it was it was through really kind of like literature that I started like thinking about like, you know, stories like Macbeth and, um, you know, King Lear and these kinds of things. And those really kind of opened up my um, like, you know, through reading that you start to kind of uh, picture these kinds of uh, these locations of these places that are happening, for instance, in like Macbeth or like King Lear and like, wow, there's this also this kind of atmosphere that's in this stuff. And then, you know, I think it's just like something that I really kind of uh, was drawn to. And then much later, I, I started really getting into um, literature and, and, and poetry. Um, and, you know, and it's, I think, something that I um, uh, think is important in terms of like how I help frame the like the titles for a lot of works they kind of come from from that um yeah. so it's this idea of like that language can also be a material thing that can be used in the work um whether it's the thing that you use to get you to um 
understand what it is that you're trying to make or try to say, or that it's some way for the viewer to kind of enter into the work or something like that. Um, so, so is that different? Does that depend on the piece, whether the title is something that's helpful for you or for the audience? Or do you try to make it match? Um, I try to just make sure, I mean, I've definitely used the same title for other works, you know, it's just like, so sometimes like you might make work and then you sort of like decommission a work. Um, I might, you know, take that title because it, it may, might fit, but um, I generally try to keep the title to, to, to match that work. Um, because what I wanted to do is I want it to be also open-ended, right? I want the title in one way to kind of speak to the viewer. Um, like an example, um, you know, um, at night we all walk, walk in circles, right? Like I, I like the idea that it's, it's like that the work is sort of implying the viewer also. Um, um, and so that's something I, I, I try to consider, but not always. I mean, lately, it's funny is like there are moments in which there are titles that are very, very long and then more recently, they're, they're quite short. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that- Is there something that changed in your practice that made you sort of, or was it just like a slow uh, change in the way that you title it? Um, I think there was maybe more of um, trying to find maybe, uh, I, I think what I like about poetry is that it's succinct um, and that, that sometimes, you know, I started thinking a lot about the, the can the title be succinct, but also open-ended enough. So it's like, I don't particularly like work that um, reveals everything to the mm -hmm. viewer. Um, I think I like, I like work that makes you kind of think about what you're looking at, you know, sort of gives you an opportunity to kind of question, yeah. you know, whatever it is that, you know, it's in front of you, what, whatever you might project onto it, or, or that's materially like complex. Um, I, th I think, um, you know, if there's enough of that in a work, then uh, I, I hope that the work is successful in that way. Because I think generally when you, you know, and, I, and this is maybe some of my concerns with photography is like, it's very quick, right? The idea, I mean, we, we can, the way that we consume um, information and material right now is so quick that, yeah. um, um, you know, when you see work um, and if you kind of get it, then, you know, it's just like, is there a real reason for you to kind of engage with it further? Um, you know, anyway, that could, that could be argued, you know, either way, right? Um, I mean, that goes back to resonance, right? Just with the titles and, 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 and rewarding uh, long viewing for your work, which is something I, I really appreciate about your work too. It's uh, depending on the amount of, uh, of effort that somebody puts into, into being a, I don't want to call him an audience member, but a participant in the experience, mm -hmm. you get more and more from it, the more you, you allow it to sort of wash over you and resonate. And I, I really appreciate that about your work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I know it asks a lot of the viewer uh, for that. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, the attention span of viewers is really short sometimes. So it's, uh, some people will get it. Some people won't. And I think some people who like, really kind of like to dive into these things that they might get some of that. Um, but you know, it's also like somebody might see you work at a distance and be like, boom, I got it. Yeah, um, yeah. That's enough. And, um, but I, I like that the, the engagement in which, you know, the thing that you see at, from a distance changes when you get up close. Um, that's, that's like a, a different way of a thing revealing itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's moments, trust me, there's moments in which in the studio, where I'm like, man, I wish I could make work faster or uh -huh. that I could, I, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's because I'm um, uh, like, I'm, I really, um, you know, like I really want to be in, I really want the things that I make to have that, that, uh, that kind of resonance that, um, that does everything that I, I, I want a successful work to do and that there is no other like it. That's an interesting thing. And that brings me back to like something you said about in your head. And I don't know if this was just like a slip of the tongue, but conceptualizing sculpture on one side and then photography on the other. Cause yeah. when I look at your work and thinking about photography, it's like, yeah, there's photographic processes involved, but in the end, like it's like a unique object. So I don't think of it necessarily as like, photography as much as a, as a photographic object. Do you think of them that separately? No, I, I do think of them as objects. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I, I think you, you, you complicate the idea of reproducibility very much 
And I think that's definitely on purpose to sort of like, it seems like you're trying to, um, to give more power to the image or to, to like give it more resonance. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I think that the, the idea of photography is, is um, it makes me think of like the pictures generation and people like maybe like Troy Brown talk maybe. Yeah, I uh, love that guy's work, yeah. Oh man, that's so good. <laughs> But yeah, that idea of like photography is one thing, but working in the photo in, in working in photography doesn't mean you do photographs. Exactly. Um, and I've had some challenges with that um, uh, in one way, um, not within my practice, but really in the way that the work is kind of uh, received. Um, because I, I think, um, you know, almost all of the photographic work that I make or the, so I would, sorry, image-based work, right? Um, uh, and I make that kind of distinction, right? Is, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, um, is that uh, there, um, there's, a, there's a kind of um, treatment that's been done to the photograph. There's a, yeah. a, a, a the hand is, is actually present in it um, after the photograph has been taken yeah. um, or um, used from an archive, right? And the idea that that I have to kind of um, engage with that in a in a different way is really important for me, and I think that allows me to really kind of think about it as an object um, and the ways in which that I can kind of treat um, a photograph. Um, I mean, and a, a lot of that I think has to do with just like my interest in kind of you know printmaking and um, yeah. you know other other ways of making images. Um, uh, you know, but, you know, when I, when I talk to photographers, sometimes they're sort of like, oh, well, you know, you should just kind of make an addition, you know, of this or that. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I've, I, there's maybe one photographic work that I've made. It's very small addition of, um, but, you know, it functions as an object, really. It's just, you know, yeah. made this kind of bronze frame. And anyway, but, um, but I do think about the, the sort of black and white uh, photographic or sorry, black and white image based work um, as having one vein that is separate from the kind of photography or image based work that I just described, which is has all this kind of treatment with yeah. pigments and things like that. Um, um, and that, you know, that kind of work is, is in me thinking a lot about sculpture and, you know, these kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, maybe materially, they're not that different in terms of like how they're treated um because I'm, I'm kind of always adding and subtracting material onto these uh objects and images i kind of do that with everything almost yeah it's like your work is almost like a, um an artifact of the process of making it you mm -hmm. know there's there's a there's a history embedded in the object by the way that you're making it and the, the techniques that you're using that's really interesting yeah thank you i mean it's um um the the more recent work i think you know has this really kind of um, deep kind of velvety black charcoal yeah. um, over some of the images where it really is a kind of veil um, yeah. um, in, in one work. And, and um, it took me kind of a while to, to get to that. Um, you know, there's the, what happens sometimes in the studio too is, you know, you make a lot of mistakes and you make a lot of, there's a lot of failure in the studio, of course. Um, and um, those things later end up being things that like what, what didn't work for one work, like how I, like whatever mistakes I made or whatever didn't work for that work, I, I like try to think about separately yeah. and then we'll use for something else. And then that allows me to use that kind of, I guess, learning, if you will, um, to the next thing. And so um, I like, I like when the studio can be generative that way. Um, in that there's uh there's there are all these things that you can kind of pull from um to make something else and so that's really kind of like what i've done in the studio is like really you know gone from you know one kind of way of making work to a very similar one and then you know pushing that and um and i think it's for me it's just like really just trying to like i want to learn something from from the studio i mean yeah. i think that's really the it's a place to experiment. It's a laboratory. And I mean, of course it is a place to kind of, to make um, finished works and to have things be resolved. Um, but ultimately like in the process of doing all of, all of that, I also want to feel like my work is growing and that my practice is growing. Um, um, 
so that is really important to me um, rather than just doing the same thing over and over. Now, um, that's a really good answer. I wanted to talk also about collaboration because uh, mm -hmm. I know, you know, one of the pieces that I, if we were talking about Monarchs, a show that both you and I were in. And in that uh, show, you had a piece with uh, Ronnie Cabello, right? Yeah, it's my buddy. And then also, it was a really fucking good piece. Thank and then you. also, I just watched, um, as part of your show in LA right now at LACMA, there was uh, a collaboration with Jeff Parker that was really good too. How yeah, does collaboration, and then also archives. I mean, that's also a huge kind of collaborative work with like the archivist or like with a collection. How do you think about those in your work? What is your process for thinking about collaboration? Yeah, the, um, um, uh, so just the exhibition with or the project with Jeff Parker is at the ICA, not like ICA. Yeah, yeah. ICA. Just, just, yeah. Just to um, so um, I think early on, I'll start with the kind of archives. Um, I didn't see it as a kind of a collaborative thing, but I realized later on it was um, because the archivists really have the knowledge and can really kind of point you in the things that um, um, can, I think, kind of help you find what you're looking for. But I also find working with them extremely challenging because they have a, you know, artists, we um, are able, the way that we seek out material or information is really different, right? And so yeah. I'm like when I kind of work with archivists and some of these institutions and some of these libraries, I, I like to be loose about it in one way. Like I have certain subjects, certain locations in terms of geography that I want to kind of explore. And then I'll kind of um, I'll meander, right? And yeah. I think with, with the way that they, I think, are used to working is it's very linear. It's very kind of like, okay, I like it's the opposite brain. Yeah. Yeah. They'll need a, um, a very specific word. Right, uh -huh. and they'll look in their database, and if 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 you type in that word, and that and there's nothing that shows up, it's like they're not they won't a lot they won't help you kind of think outside of that. It's like you have to then come up with a different word, right? right? And so it's like that th that kind of trial and error is really frustrating. So for me, it's like I think what I like to do is just like let me just see kind of like what's available, and I will really just spend the time looking through everything. Yeah, um, which is taxing but um i find the best kind of connections um happen that way um and once i kind of do that i'll start to kind of point out things like okay i'd like to see more of this and more of that so i've learned to kind of think about broader terms um or subjects that will help me kind of get to some of those things but um you know the idea with collaboration particularly with ronnie um you know we we uh we're both um you know, at the core program, also at Skowhegan. Um, um, and, you know, we had, you know, him and I and a couple other friends, we've taken several trips. Um, you know, one, one trip we went to was Peru and Chile and a few other places. And, um, you know, we had been talking a lot about uh, this idea of migration and thinking about um, source material and kind of artifacts and this, you know, there's this, there are these, these pathways, right? Um, uh -huh. And, you know, I started thinking about the, well, this kind of this idea of the field, right? Uh, whether it's a visual field or it's a kind of a pictorial field or a literal field. Um, and I was like, well, how can we kind of, you know, collapse some of these things and kind of create a whole body of work or an exhibition really um, that explores all that. So in the, in the, in the, in the work that was in the, the Monarch show, that came out of a, 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 an exhibition that we did in Houston called Spectrefield. So the, the entire exhibition was just, you know, it was like, I think maybe 15 sculptures. It was like all sculptural work kind of installation. It was beautiful. I really enjoyed making that show. And, um, um, and the idea that, that was in that work, that Monarch show is that we wanted to kind of make this thing that was uh, both a site, um, but that the, and so in, in a site meaning that um, it was like a, maybe a, like a place that was unidentifiable, but that had some kind of architecture to it. Um, but that also like, you know, sitting on, on this, on this kind of floor, right. This work was this kind of small vessel that was like a pre-Columbian death mask, water gets poured into it. There are all these things that were kind of embedded in that, but the, the, the idea is that, you know, all of that can be packed, right. Um, was really important for us to think about, um, collaborating in this way. And, and I, and I, I really loved that. It. it was like, we were incredibly resourceful about how we made this entire exhibition. 
Um, and that was incredibly gen uh, generative for, for both of us in terms of how we think about the work. And, um, and, you know, the idea with, for instance, like Jeff Parker, you know, came later on, you know, I think he, his music is really interesting. As somebody I've known, I knew in Chicago, um, would hear him play kind of all over the city. And then also just like, you know, here in Los Angeles. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really amazing in the video that he did for the exhibition was, um, you know, there's, there's certain tracks where he's, you know, he's playing something and then that gets recorded and then that gets kind yeah. of played into the space and then he's playing on top of that. And the idea that that sound is kind of resonating and then other things are kind of happening. I felt really there was a kind of a parallel between what he did and, uh, and or his interpretation of the work in that way. Um, anyway, so I think it's been more and more that I've been kind of thinking about these opportunities to kind of bring in um, somebody like either Ronnie or somebody like, you know, Jeff to, um, you know, I think be able to share a platform, right? And then have them um, add to it or to kind of create their own thing with it. Um, yeah. And I, I like that. I think that's, uh, it's important to be generous in that way. Yeah, another thing that I thought was really beautiful about the collaboration with Jeff Parker is that <clears throat> right now, I mean, this year has been a shit show. Um, and I want to get into a question about that, but I thought that that was a, just such a beautiful way to experience the work and to offer that work and to allow people to, to experience the work and to sit with it mm. uh, with the way that he was you know, in the room. You could see the scale of the pieces. There was this interplay between what he was doing and seeing the work. So I thought it was like, just such a beautiful way to 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 show that work uh, when being there in person is a difficult thing for a lot of people right now. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. I mean, we were really grateful, um, you know, for Jeff doing that. I mean, it was it was amazing. Uh, just you know, being uh, being in the in the museum and watching him kind of play this, and it was being recorded. It was a room with sound. It was incredible. Man, it was it was really incredible, and. Um, yeah, Were you there I mean, for the performance? I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, he's 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 brilliant. I mean, he's a really amazing musician, and um, uh, I, I think it was, I think it was really, I think, you know, I think like what I said about sharing the kind of platform is that it's like I thought about when they invited me for the show, they asked me about programming, and you know, I think we have this, you know, we all have our our kind of community, right, of like yeah. folks that we engage with and that we you know we talk we talk with and uh you know we think about their work and all those kinds of things and you know it's almost like this kind of uh this cast of players that come in uh you know like you you, you know from one city you kind of have this this group right that like comes together does this thing you know you go to another city and then you bring another group together and it has yeah. a different kind of uh vibrancy to it um I, I like that, um, you know, so for instance, like the, the exhibition here, ICA LA, like the programming has been really amazing. And, um, and then, you know, the show's gonna travel to um, ICA VCU uh, in February. And so, you know, some of the programming for that will be different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's also like people that I, you know, really respect and like I, you know, I, I like bringing in folks that um, are able to kind of offer their own perspectives and, you know, um, uh, I think that's what makes a rich exhibition, I hope. For sure, for sure. Now that is a good segue for something else that I'm asking people this year, you know, when this whole project started for the second season was mm -hmm. before um, the pandemic really began. And this year has had so many challenges for so many of us. Has the COVID pandemic and then, you know, all the social unrest and everything that's happened this year, have you noticed it changing the way you think about maybe your practice or art in general or um, exhibition of work? Um, have you noticed anything in the way that you think about things? Oh man, yeah. I mean, there's so many things, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think that maybe, um, I mean, yes to all the, the uh, political and the personal and the, the sort of the bodily, right? Like that's been, yeah. I think, I think, um, uh, you know, the, the, and the ideas about power, yeah. about, about, you know, who has a voice, who doesn't, um, you know, who, uh, is kind of, um, um, you know, silence, um, 
you know, like definitely those things have been things. I mean, those things are, are in the work, uh, things that I, I address, but I think more so now. And, um, but I think the, I, the, the questioning of like, you know, uh, you know, our, our own personal bodies to other bodies and thinking about the ways in which, um, you know, it's like, is, is somewhat a threat, right? Like that there's this, this kind of inherent way of, of, um, distancing yourself from, from others, I think is a, is a, is a really difficult thing, right? Cause it's like, yeah. you know, it's particularly, um, you know, in, in the arts, it's like, it's, 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 it's very social. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think that there's been, uh, you know, it's been, it's been really challenging. I think, um, you know, the idea that it's like, you know, you can't travel and see family has been a really difficult thing. And, um, that sucks. I hate that part. Yeah. That's really, especially right now. I mean, we're recording this in like early December and that's, you know, there's a lot of dates where it's going to suck not to see family this year. Absolutely. I mean, and I think also just, um, you know, I think early on it was like really hard to just try to, um, May, I, I think maybe establish a kind of new habit of, of not doing much or not going really anywhere, being able to, I think that was really difficult for me. It's like, I'm, I'm, I like to be very active. I like to uh, uh, try to um, keep myself busy. I, I think being, being active is really good for me. Um, but um, so my studio had been closed, you know, for several months early on. And that was actually quite a, quite a big challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, other things I, I think, um, you know, just seeing, you know, what's happening kind of politically, I think has also been, um, a really kind of scary thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, but I think in, just in terms of like your, your question is that there, like, there's one work that's in the exhibition here in Los Angeles that, um, I, I I've revisited before, which is this, this image of this kind of monument, the shrouded monument that's made on glass, right? It's yeah. like very kind of stark image, um, um, but it's an ephemeral work. And I think that the, uh, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about this idea of power and this idea of kind of monumentality um, and the, the sort of uh, conflicts around, around that. And, but that's a work that I've, I've revisited. This is the third time that I've made this work. So I've, I've made the work previous years, you know, the last one was 2014 and then maybe before that, maybe 2012 or something. Um, um, I mean, you know, and that's like, I think a really, uh, poignant thing right now, right. That, you know, we're, we're kind of questioning some of those yeah. things right now. Uh, this idea of a, a kind of a historical narrative and power, um, and reascribing meaning to these things or being able to kind of rethink how we might think about that, uh, yeah. subject. Um, yeah, but outside of that, I think it's been really difficult making, um, an ex making an exhibition right now, um, particularly like a 10 year survey. Um, yeah. and you know, I think, you know, I was supposed to have another museum show right now in Miami at the ICA, uh, that got, um, postponed till next year, which is much better. Um, so it's been hard because there's, there are these things that you can't really plan for. Right. Um, and, and so I think it kind of, you know, it's been able to, it's like taken, the, the pandemic has really kind of taken the oxygen out of a lot of things that we can't really celebrate. Um, ah, here's to 2021. Um, I have two more questions and we're going to end on a high note. So don't worry about that part. But uh, the first one, uh, before we wrap things up also is, um, is there a piece of advice that you wish that you would have gotten when you were younger or that you would give somebody that's younger? <laughs> I always think about this. Um, uh, you know, I wish that, um, man, there's, it's like, there's so many things, um, you know, because there's, there's this, you know, you know, you could give advice about how to develop a practice. Right. But then you, you can think about like, oh, well, could I, could I use career advice? Um, but I think one of the things that I, have done is um, is taken risks, and I think it's important, particularly like when you're young, is to take risks, um, and to um, you know not not like foolish foolishly, right? But I think it's important to to take chances on yourself, to to invest in yourself. That I think is probably advice because you don't often hear that. You know, you don't you don't hear people telling you to kind of um, 
invest in yourself. And I, I think the other thing is to, outside of those things for yourself is to, it's important to be generous and it's more to be respectful and to think about that the relationships you establish with people um, professionally um, um, aren't just for that moment. They're not the, just right. a short-term thing that you should be thinking the long-term. Um, I think maybe, you know, that, um, that's a, probably a that's piece really of advice. advice. Yeah. Cause it's, a, you know, you have to, you know, you, you have to remember it's like that, um, you know, success doesn't happen by yourself. Like if you don't achieve that by yourself, right. It's like, it's like your whole inner circle, it's your family, it's all the, the curators, like all the people who have really kind of supported your work. It's just like that, that, um, that's why being respectful and kind of, um, and thinking about community in that way is I think really important. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, that, and then definitely taking those risks to, to invest in yourself is important. That's good advice. And then finally, just uh, to be respectful of your time also, this has been such a great conversation. Yeah. But I yeah. want to end on a high note. Um, what are you excited about in 2021? Oh man, there's so many things that 2021 is going to be amazing. Um, I, can I brag for a second? <laughs> yeah, please do. This is what this is for. Please do. So, um, uh, my first monograph, um, which um, is going to be uh, published by the University of Chicago Press. Nice. It's going to be out um, very, very soon. Uh, and that is actually through the Logan Center. And uh, thankfully, uh, to, um, or thankfully, because of Yasomi Umola, who's amazing, her and Katya Rivera. Um, so that comes out soon. And then um, in February, I'll be at the Kohler Residency in uh in sheboygan wisconsin nice. on, uh, um, casting brass and bronze and figuring out how to make that uh that's actually something i've been really wanting to do for a long time um then this you know 10-year survey goes to ica vcu uh, in february and then in december um i have an entirely separate solo museum show at the institute of contemporary art in miami that's awesome um, so, and that's going to be, that also is going to have a, a full publication. So next, nice. week, next big week, year, big year, man. Big, big year. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Now, where can people find you online? Um, my website, um, I have my work um, um, on my website, which is haroldmendez.com. Um, they can also see um uh, work at Patron Gallery, which is also in Chicago. Um, See, I always call it Patron, just because. Yeah, I just always go for that. I just like yeah. that number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, it's 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 funny. People always ask me, is it is it Patron or is it Patron? And I'm like, well, they say Both. Patron, so I'm like, I'm gonna say Patron. Yeah. Um, um, you can find some work there. Also at the uh, Institute of Contemporary here in Los Angeles, I have some work on view. Um, you can kind of navigate. You know, for those that are um, elsewhere, you know, you can see the exhibition through VR. So it's kind of nice that you can kind of navigate. Yeah, the public programs things. of that show are really great. I was looking at them. Yeah, they're really, they did a really good job with those. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. And, you know, we have some, some uh, not just like the, the conversation with the curator, Jamila James, but also, you know, uh, my friend Colleen Smith did a, a walkthrough. I love Colleen. Her. Colleen Smith yeah. was like my mentor and like, and like, oh, great. Really? like, she's like the reason I'm an artist and alive. I, I, she changed my life. She's incredible. That's amazing. That's, you know, see, she's like, she's great. And, um, and that's what I mean by that kind of sense of community is like, you know, um, good people. Yeah. You, you need those people around you. So absolutely. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's pretty much where you can kind of check that stuff out. I'm not really active anymore on, um, on the socials. Which is good. Probably, you know, that's one. I think also like one of the lessons of 2021, like just back off the internet. It's not your friend always. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been nice to kind of chat, man, because, um, you know, there's, you know, sometimes you're just like talking on the phone with a friend and, you know, you, you, you go through all these things. You're like, yeah, this is, you know, of course, there's a there's a little more of like, you know, shit talking and talking shop and those kinds of things. And um, uh, but it's nice to kind of be able to, yeah, just sort of talk about the work and all these things that kind of like make their way into the work and um, um, and just, yeah, who I am as a person. So it's nice to be able to share some of this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing it. And of course, you know, there's a Latinx American show at DePaul that looks to be pretty damn good. There's a good list of artists and uh, uh, yeah, shout out to everybody involved in that as well. Um, Harold, thank you so much for your time. This was such a fun conversation. 
yeah, thank you for, for the consideration and for taking time to, to talk with me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. See you All later, right, man. Hopefully I'll see you in Chicago. Yes, I hope so. All right, man. And that is our interview with Harold Mendez. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Before we leave, some thanks to Natalie Murillo, also known as La Spacer, for our theme music. Go check her out at laspacer.com. Archives and Futures, a podcast for future generations, was produced, recorded, researched, and edited by me, Ivan Lozano, in Chicago, Illinois. Check out more about me and my work at ivanlozano.net or ivanlozanostudio on Instagram. Thank you for listening to this episode, and until next time...